God is so faithful. Yes, he is.
ma, 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 ma. Speak, O oh Lord. Father, we thank you for the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the privilege of worship. Please forgive us of our sins and shortcomings through the shed blood of Christ. Thank you for the ministry of music. Thank you for the blessed Holy Spirit who continuously renews our strength. And God, even now, speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, amen. Church, amen again. What a mighty God we serve. I want to thank God for two of our lovely ladies who sang, our choir, choir directors. Truly, God is an awesome God. When we come together for worship, there's three things we ought to do. Lift up the name of Jesus. Secondly, lift up the name of Jesus. Third, lift up the name of Jesus. This morning, we'll find ourselves in the book of Nehemiah, which is after Ezra. Ezra is after 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles after 1 Chronicles. 1 Chronicles after 2 Kings. 2 Kings after 1 Kings. So we're in the book of Nehemiah. It's after Ezra. Amen. When you get it, chapter 1, say amen. And it's before Jew. It's for, it's for Esther. Nehemiah. Nehemiah. What a book. What a book. Praise the name of Jesus. Well, look at verse 11 of chapter 1. When you get it, say amen. O oh Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper. Notice prosperity is linked with the fear of his name. This morning I want to preach around the subject how to build a blessing. How to build a blessing. Nehemiah was a builder. He was a governor. He was a cupbearer. He was an administrator. Throughout God's word, God allows us to see his strategic plans in reference to his people and purposes. Whenever God wishes to complete an undertaking, he first fills his faithful with his passions, facilitates his plans, 
and purposes to his people and always finishes what he starts by getting the faithful to praise his name. The book of Nehemiah is what we call in theology a post-exilic prophet. There is, there are pre-exilic prophets, pre-before, who preached to the nation before they went into exile. There are exilic prophets who preached during, while they were in exile, and there are post-exilic prophets who preached and prophesied as they were coming out of exile. And the four major prophets are Daniel, Ezekiel, Isaiah, and Jeremiah. They are major because of the length of their books. And there are 12 minor prophets, most of who were contemporaries, meaning they preached during the same time. They even knew each other. And God had sanctioned that in 722 B.C., and I want to take a note on this timeline. 4,000 B.C. is when we, we, when we believe that Adam and Eve was in the garden. 2,000 B.C. is when Abraham was called 500 years later, 1500 B.C. is when Moses was called. 1000 B.C. is when David was king. Right around 900 some odd years, Solomon became king. And then in 722 B.C., God sent the Assyrians under Sennacherib to take away the ten tribes in the north because they disobeyed him. And when God allowed the Assyrians to come in and take away what we call Israel, God was hoping that Judah in the south, two tribes in Judah, that they would learn a lesson from their wicked sister. And sometimes in our lives, God will give you an object lesson in somebody else's life, hoping that you and I learn from it. But Judah didn't learn, and so in 606 B.C., 597 and 586, three deportations, God sent Nebuchadnezzar into Amen, Jerusalem, and they took away Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, four teenagers, and Abednego to Babylon, they left Jeremiah in the land to preach. They put Ezekiel by the river Chebar. And all these were contemporaries. And God left them in exile for 70 years. 70 years. And in 500 BC, nations were changing from Nebuchadnezzar to Babylonians to the Persians. Daniel chapter 5 and after the Persians, Cyrus came in, and then Alexander the Great, the Greece came in, and in around 300 B.C., 
Alexander the Great was like 32 years old, about to take the world over. And then about 165 B.C. came Rome. So when you look at this timeline, God is, the years are going backwards because in 3 B.C., Jesus Christ was born. And Galatians says, he came in the nick of time, at the right time under this Roman jurisdiction. But here in Nehemiah, it is 446 B.C. to 423 B.C. And Nehemiah is a minor prophet whom God calls to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem which had been burnt down by the Babylonians. It is a time of renewal and restoration. Ezra, the prophet priest, was to rebuild the temple and rebuild the people spiritually. He and Nehemiah locked hands together, one rebuilding the walls and one rebuilding the worship. And it's in this context that when we begin to look at Nehemiah, Nehemiah helps us to see how to build a blessing. I believe four keys are here in this text. Won't be long before you. And I guarantee you at least one of these keys are missing off of our keychain. And the reason we can't see a blessing coming into our lives is because we're missing some keys. I believe that when we look at this matter of building a blessing, that I believe that <clears throat> God is always instrumental in getting us to where we need to be in order to be blessed. Can I get a witness? He had to bring the prodigal son back home, humiliated and humble, before he could wear a robe, before he could wear a ring, put on new sandals, before the fatted calf could be killed, he had to come to himself. And the Bible says that trouble brought him to his senses. Can I get a witness? Won't trouble bring you to your senses? Don't, don't we get silly sometimes and God allows trouble to come to straighten out things? Can I get a witness? You ain't got to say amen. Just keep on living. You, child of God, God God's got a way to deal with us that's both loving chastisement. Can I get a witness? Hebrews chapter 12. But it's, all, but it's also, listen, it's also something that God allows in our lives in order to bless us. He can't even bless us until we get certain things right. He can't hear our prayers 
until we hear him. I'm preaching already. Can I get a witness? So, so, so when I look at Nehemiah, I, 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 I begin to draw up these four keys. First, building a blessing requires, listen to this, here's the first key, a brokenness before God. As God hates pride. God hates self-sufficiency. God hates self-motivation. Can I get a witness? God hates people, not, not hate people. God hates when people are self, listen, are self-initiated, are gossipy and running down others, always got an opinion, and, and, they, got, and they always got an opinion, but unless it comes to them. They ain't got no opinion about them. They got opinion about everything else. They're not pure. They don't pay attention to the principles. Can I get a witness? They have a form of godliness with no power. And, and, and what I see in this context is when we look at Nehemiah chapter 1, I want you, I want you to see this. Nehemiah begins with a deep sense of brokenness. He was greatly distressed over the affairs, verses 1 to 4. He cries, he communes, he reminds God of his covenant, and he confesses his sin. Look, look, look what it says in, in, in verse 1. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekeliah, and it came to pass in the month Shishlu, in the 20th years, I was in Shushan, the palace, don't forget that, I'm coming back to that, that Hanani, one of my brethren, this is his real blood brother, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. And the wall of Jerusalem also is broken down and the gates are burnt with fire. Now, hearing, listen, hearing the condition of the nation breaks his heart. I'm pausing purposely. Because Nehemiah has a high-ranking job in the king's palace. What is his job? He's a cupbearer. What is a cupbearer? The cupbearer sits near the king, and he tastes all food and water before it gets to the king. So if it's poison, he dies first. Now, that's, that's a high-ranking job. Can I get a witness? It's dangerous, but it's high ranking. Thank you, Jesus. Green, did you taste that water before you gave it to me? So when they bring the king a meal or some wine, the king never tastes it first. The cupbearer says, and I guess the king looks at his proverbial watch. And if he don't drop in 10 minutes, then the king said, it's safe. <laughs> Amen. By the way, it's a high-ranking job, but I don't believe you would want it. Because before the king lets you that close in his presence with his harem of women, he's got to castrate you oh. so you don't mess with his women. 
Now, for those of you who don't know what castrate means, it means your equipment has been cut off. How many of you like to interview for that job? <laughs> Ooh. I don't know if this happened to Nehemiah, but it did happen to some other prophets in other books. Look at the brokenness in verse 4. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down, I wept, I mourned, I fasted, I prayed. Look at verse 5. I said, I beseech you, O Lord, God of heaven, the great terrible God, the covenant-keeping merciful God that loves them that observe his commandments. Let thine ear be attentive, your eyes open, that you may hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray night and day for the children of Israel. Look at verse 7. For we have, notice the, the plurality, we have dealt very corruptly against thee. We have not kept your commandments, nor your statutes, nor your judgments. And Nehemiah is broken before God. Our brokenness is seeing ourselves as God sees us. You know what the problem in the church is? See, we keep reporting on ourselves. I'm all right. I'm not as bad as he is. I at least come to church. But when you start to see yourself as God sees you, 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 you start to break. Do I have a witness? Hey, if you could just keep your eyes off of me and keep your eyes off the person sitting next to you and look at yourself as God sees you, then you will start to go down in brokenness. Can I get a witness? And, and, and not only seeing ourselves as God sees us, but brokenness is seeking God's pleasing amen of our person through prayer. Brokenness is begging for God's mercy. James says, the book of James, humble yourselves, hupotasso, get up under rank, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in due time. What does brokenness mean? It means I caught the elevator and I went to the ground floor. I can go no lower than where I am this morning. I'm not looking for excuses for my sin. I'm not blaming my stuff on anybody else. I'm not judging anybody else. I'm looking dead at myself. Lord have mercy. I had people come to me and say, Pastor, you know, while you was preaching, you kept looking at me. I said, I didn't even know you was in church. 
You know why you think I'm looking at you? Because you're guilty. That's your conscience playing on you. I got too much junk in my own backyard to be worrying about what's in your backyard. Do I have a witness? I'm spending all my energy and time trying to stay in fellowship with God, trying to walk with God, trying to please God, trying to praise God for me to look at you. I'm preaching up in this place. Take heed to thyself, then to the flock of God. If more pastors would take heed to themselves, then to the flock. It didn't say take heed to the flock, then to yourself. Take heed to yourself, then to the flock. Leave that one alone. Brokenness is when you and I can see our failures in faith, in prayer, in communion with God. You may be missing the key this morning of brokenness. You on such a high horse that God's going to have to take the horse from under you. Because you can't see yourself. Everything that comes out of your mouth is about somebody else. When, when are you going to get the mic doing devotion? And say, this is about me, myself, and I. I'm no good. I'm messed up. I'm hooked up. I'm crooked up. I need prayer. When, when's the next time you're going to do something like that? Because that's what God is looking for. Brokenness before God. Husbands blaming wives, wives blaming husbands, children blaming parents. Oh, I'm preaching now, Doc. You know when God talks in Psalm 90 about the secret place of the Most High, that's when you get alone with God and there are no excuses in there. Lord when you get into the secret places, when you get just you and God, can I get a witness? And you can't lie, you can't manufacture, you, you can't wiggle out. It's when you get along with this word, when you, Lord, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Who am I to judge you when I need the blood of Jesus to clear me? Who am I? to look down on you when God keeps looking down on me. I'm preaching now. Who, who am I? Brokenness. Brokenness. If you've never been broken before God, just keep living. You will be. 
Brokenness is when you're out of options. Brokenness is when you don't have any more answers. Brokenness is when nothing is coming together. Brokenness is when tears start falling. Bro brokenness is when frustration gets in. Brokenness is when you feel like running out, when you feel like leaving, when you feel like disappearing, and God breaks you. He'll break you. He doesn't break you to hurt you. He breaks you to help you. He breaks you, then he makes you, shapes you, and molds you. Go ask Moses what brokenness is all about. He was the meekest man in all the Bible. Moses attended the University of Egypt, studied hieroglyphics, embalming mysteries, mathematics, calculus, trigonometry. Moses had all the wisdom of the Egyptians. But when God was ready for him, God allowed him to become a murderer, a fugitive, and got him on the backside of the desert. Can I get raising stinking sheep? I'm preaching up in this place. And one night while he was raising sheep, Moses looked up to Mount Sinai. And he saw something he couldn't explain. He saw a, burn, a bush burning but not being consumed. And Moses said, I need to go up and find out what this is all about. And Moses climbed the mountain and got up there. And Moses got near the burning bush and heard a voice out of the fire. Said, Moses, Moses, take off your shoes. The ground you're standing on is holy. You might have been something in Egypt, but you're nothing up here. Can I get a witness? Don't you know God is able to break you? If you're going to build a blessing, it requires a brokenness before God. Secondly, building a blessing requires a burden for God. Not a burden for you. Not a burden for your kids, your house, your husband, your wife. No, a burden for God. Lord, have mercy. Look at chapter 2, verse 1 and 6, real quick. Uh, came to pass in the month of Nisan, 25th of our Texas, the king, our Texas, the king, that wine was before him. He took up the wine, gave it to the king. See, he's a cupbearer. He said, I had never been sad in the king's presence. That was dangerous. If you work for the king, you say in his presence, he have your head chopped off. Wherefore the king said unto me, why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? What is it that's going on inside of your heart? And he said, I was very afraid. Are you getting this? And see, let me stop, pause, and park, because too many of us are trying to scheme our way into God's favor. God is sovereign about who he gives favor to. You can't buy it. You can't solicit it. You can't earn it. Favor is grace. And it comes from God. Just as Joseph, he went from the pit to the pulpit, from the pit to the palace by way of Potiphar's wife. His own brothers threw him in a ditch and lied, said the animal killed him sold him into Egypt. You don't hear a word out of Joseph. 
He gets into Egypt, thrown in jail because Potiphar's wife lied on him with the, with the butler and the baker. You read the story. Here's an innocent man who never did anything wrong, and yet God's got him going to foreign lands, going in and out of jail, and being lied on. But the Bible keeps saying in chapter 50 of Genesis, and the Lord was with him. Let me tell you what happens when the Lord is with you. When the Lord is with you, they can put you in ovens, but fire will not hurt you. When the Lord is with you, I'm preaching now, they can manipulate, they can gossip, they can try to tear you down, but the Lord will keep building you up. When the Lord is with you, no weapon that's formed against you shall prosper. When the Lord is with you, he's going to let you come out with the victory. Can I get a witness? Yeah, hell or high water can't stop his blessings. Favor. To be broken, you need failure. To get favor, you need God. Nehemiah's support, chapter 2, four, 4 to 5. Come on, we're going to get out of here. 4 to 5. Look what it says. Then the king said unto me, For what do you make requests? So I prayed to the God of heaven. No notice, after the king said, Whatever it is you need, let me know. Nehemiah said, Well, I need to start praying. Can I get a witness? And in verses 4 and 5, God, through the king, gives him the support that he needs to rebuild the walls. It's called favor. He not only gives him the support, 6 to 8, he gives him supplies. But look at verse 11, the survey. Are you with me? So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. I rose in the night. I and some of the few men with me, neither told I man what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem, neither was there any beast except the one I rode on. I went out by night at the gate of the valley, and here's what, Moses, I mean, here's what Nehemiah is saying. I didn't tell my vision to anybody. I went out, and God gave me the survey. And then verse 16, 18 is the strategy. Look at Nehemiah's strategy. And the rulers knew not whether I went or what I did, neither had I as yet told it to the Jews, nor the priests, nor the nobles, nor the rulers, nor to the rest that did the work. My God. Here's what I want you to see, and don't miss verse 18. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which is good upon me, as also the king's word that he had spoken unto me. And he said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. When you and I are carrying God's burden, and this is going to revolutionize your theology. When you and I are carrying God's burden, it's God's responsibility to bring everything you need. Oh, boy. You get this? This is going to bring rest in your life. Lord, if you want this done, you got to do it. Lord, if you don't raise this up, it'll never get done. 
Lord, I'm preaching now. Lord! The support comes from God. The supplies come from God. The survey comes from God. The strategy comes from God. That's how we know we in his will. Thank you, Jesus. Can I get a witness? Hmm. There is no magic formula for you and I to be successful. There, there are no exceptional clauses to our intellect. Then there, there are no insights that we have no one else has to get it done. It's when I'm broken before God. It's when I'm burdened for God. Going on 26 years, I have never, ever been burdened for auxiliaries, clubs, socials, bus trips, bingo, drinking campaign down to the casinos, fashion show. I ain't never been in that. Only thing that mattered to me in church was souls. Jesus and the word. Can I get a witness? And, 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 I, and the Lord had me on fertile ground. And guess what? Lord have mercy. Right now, I'm still the same. If I die next week, I'm still the same. It's only what we do for Christ that's going to last. Can I get a witness? I told Kent, Kent's a great, I, I, I love Kent. I, he's a great worship leader. I said, Kent, I don't want no songs with God. I want to hear Jesus. And if the song says God, put Jesus in the song. We're going to change the song. Because I'm here to lift up the matchless, miraculous name of Jesus. I, I don't want nobody watching us on TV or coming to church saying, well, he said God is able. No, 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 no. God is able. Jesus. Jesus. J-E-S-U-S. Can I get a witness? I said Jesus. Yeah, his name has power. His name brings provisions. His name brings peace. Can I get a witness? And there's only one name under heaven whereby we must be saved. There's only one name that brings healing. There's only one name that brings salvation. There's only one name that turns wrong right. I'm preaching now. There's only one name that we need to shout in. And that's the name of Jesus. And every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God that leads to salvation. Do I have a witness? You can get quiet all you want. If you want to learn to this church, you're going to hear the name of Jesus. Can I get a witness? If you're waiting for me to say boo-hoo and two-poo, and if you're waiting for me to call some other name, you're in the wrong place. Because I only know one name that snatched me out of hell with smoke still in my garments. One name that put me on the street called straight. 
one name that transformed my mind. One name that took me out of sin and sanctified my soul. One name that makes me whole. One name. I said one name. Not David, not Moses, not Abraham, not Nehemiah, not Raymond, not John, but Jesus. I said Jesus. I said Jesus. The Christ. Building a blessing requires brokenness. It requires a burden, but it requires a battle. Lord have mercy. Let me, let me just stop pausing. Too many of us think that we can enter, Lord have mercy, into the spiritual realm of Christianity and the devil not mess with us. I can tell you something right now. Satan already has processed your name. He has seen you sit in church and wave your hand for Jesus. He has seen you give them long testimonies. He has seen you sing songs and start crying. Now the devil is saying, let's see just how much they really mean what they've been saying. Can I get a witness? He will attack your marriage. He will attack your ministry. He will attack your children. He will attack your job. Can I get a witness? But don't despair. Because weeping only doing doors for a night. But mom joy will come in the morning. He that have begun a good work in you is going to do it to the day of Jesus Christ. Can I get a witness? Somebody said, Isaiah, look, look, no weapon that's formed against you shall prosper. That's Isaiah 54. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Y'all didn't get that. No weapon that's even in the developmental stages is going to work. When they start working on the weapon, God is going to dismantle the weapon. When they start putting the weapon together, God's going to tear it apart. When they start aiming the weapon, God's going to make it go down. Isn't that a mighty good God? He said no weapon that's formed against you shall prosper when the enemy comes in like a flood that means he's more than you he's stronger than you he's got more capability than you when he comes in like a flood it's gonna look pretty bad isn't it it's gonna look like you're getting ready to lose isn't it he says but the spirit of the Lord will begin to raise up a standard against it. I'm preaching up in this place. 
That is, when I can't go no further, the Spirit says, stand still, boy, I got this one. When I can't do no more harm, the Spirit says, don't worry about a thing. I got your children. I got your marriage. I got your ministry. I got your husband. I got your wife. See ya. He's faithful. Any good? Any good? He's gone. Let me get out your way. Look at the battles. 4, 1, and 2. Chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. There's a battle of opposition. Now, now, now wait a minute. Go back to 2, verse 19. Chapter 2, 19. But when Sambalat, the hard knight, Tobiah, the servant, Ammonite, and Geshem, the Arabian, heard it, they laughed us to scorn. Look at Nehemiah's reply to the enemy. Verse 20. Then, I, then answered I them and said unto them, the God of heaven, he will prosper us. Did you get that? Battles are part of the Christian walk. There's going to be a battle of your faith. Can I get a witness? We are engaged in warfare. The battle of opposition to the will, the battle of opposition to the work, verse 3, chapter 4, the battle of the opposition of our wounds, the battle of the opposition of our worship, verse 17 to 20, the battle of the oppression and opposition of our worth, 5, 1 to 7. What happens when we're in battle? God says, first, I want you broken. Secondly, I want you to have my burdens. Third, no, a battle's coming, but I'm going to give you fortitude. See, here's the trick of Satan. When problems come our way, the reason we get fearful and fretful and ready to faint is because we keep measuring the onslaught of the enemy against the little bit of energy in us. God says, it doesn't work that way. God says, as the battle gets close, I push you out the way. And it's my strength. It's my fortitude. It's my battle, Jehoshaphat. Can I get a witness? Jehoshaphat, you need not fight in this battle, 2 Chronicles chapter 12, because this battle belongs to the Lord. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, you got to know what battles belong to the Lord. And when it looks too bad, too much for you, give it to the Lord. When you can, sit up under, give it to the Lord. When you don't know how you're going to get out, give it to the Lord. Give it to him. Lord, I can't handle this. Lord, I can't hang in here. But I'm trusting you to fight my battles. Won't he fight your battles? Won't the Lord fight your battles? Won't the Lord make a way out of nowhere? Won't the Lord put you on his street called straight? Won't the Lord strengthen you? Can I get a witness? He will strengthen you. 
Final point. Building a blessing requires brokenness, his burden, his battles, but building requires his blessings. Can I get a witness? And when you look at chapter 6, 7, and 8, and I don't have time, he gives you a vision and a view, but he gets all the way to chapter 8, verse 10, and talks about the victory. And here's the victory. Nehemiah says he built the walls in 52 days, and the enemy was coming around, ridiculing them. He said, look, hold one hand on your sword to fight, hold the other hand on the work. And he told the enemies for the joy of the Lord is my strength. I just want to close out on a joy. Can I get a witness? Uh, Nehemiah is the one that said, for the joy of the Lord. As long as I keep my joy, my praise, can I get a witness? As long as I keep my worship in place, as long as I understand that he's God and I'm not, as long as I'm understanding that he's in control and he's got all power in his hands, I can be joyful. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Can I get a witness? That means Satan, take your best shot. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going down. I'm, you can't, amen, do away with me because the joy of the Lord is my strength. As long as I sing his praises, I have the victory. As long as I'm able to, amen, get the right perspective on life, that there are mountains and valleys, ups and downs, ins and outs, hurts and helps, but through it all, I've learned to praise his name. I can thank him for my disease. I can thank him for my mental state. I can thank him for bringing me through hell. I can thank him for the good, the bad, and the ugly. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And you have not matured in Christ until you can look back and bundle everything up and put it under joy. This joy that I have the world didn't give it to me and the world can't take it away I've got joy like a river I've got joy in the midnight hour I've got joy at noon time I've got joy in the morning the Lord is my joy can I get a witness Jesus said this is my joy can I get a witness this joy I said this joy this joy that I have the world didn't give it to me and the world can't take it away joy 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 I've got joy blessing you need brokenness a burden a battle and a blessing and the blessing is joy when I go out of here I've got the victory I've got the victory I've got the victory 
Let's stay on our feet this morning. As every head is bowed, every eyes closed. If you're here this morning, you need to be saved. Jesus wants you to accept him, believe, and receive that he died for your sins, was buried, and rose again. If there's one, just raise your hand. You want to give your life to Jesus Christ. We had two this morning. I see your hands. Is there another? Don't play with God. Singing in the choir ain't going to get you in heaven. Preaching ain't going to get you in heaven. Teaching ain't going to get you in heaven. You must be born again. Come on, my brother. Is there another? Come on. Thank you. Is there another? Is there another? Balcony, is there another? Or perhaps you want to join our church in a Christian experience. Will you raise your hand? You need to sit under this word. Come on, brother. Come on, brother. Bless the Lord. All right, brother. Is there another? Step on out. How many of you don't know if you're really saved? Just be honest. Raise your hand. Well, you don't have a church home. Raise your hand. Come on. We want you to come out. In the name of Jesus. God is worthy to be praised. I'm going to ask that you would follow our ministers. Thank you, brothers. Thank you, man. Thank you. Praise Jesus. Be seated. Shh. Shh. Nobody's talking. We make a powerful transition now. Nobody's walking. Nobody's talking. To the celebration of the Lord's Supper. Jesus says on the night, the Bible says on the night he was betrayed. Hold it, deacons. Hold it, deacons, because this is a distraction. Don't do nothing. Hold up. On the night he was betrayed, he took bread, broke it, said, take, eat this.